Today's episode is presented by Away Travel. Quite simply, Away makes everything you need for a trip away. Away started with the perfect suitcase, then built from there, creating a range of travel standards developed from the travel stories of friends and seatmates. The pieces aren't smart, they're thoughtful, with features that solve real travel problems. To give the whole world access to better travel standards, Away took the direct-to-consumer approach to lower prices, and the quality is guaranteed. Your Away suitcase will be with you for life. We are teaming up with Away and Podgo to give you the best deal on premium luggage by going to podgo.co slash away. That's podgo.co slash away. Away Travel, here to make your journey seamless. Hello folks and welcome to episode 39 of Four Quarters with Josh McKinney. Man, it's been three weeks since I did a show. One week off on March 3rd was planned. March 10th just came about because my wife and I both ended up sick for a time. Not COVID, uh, but a stomach bug that's been going around and there's been busyness with work and just thought it best to take that second week off as well. But man, I'm excited to be back with you today here. It is St. Patrick's Day, so I hope you're wearing your green out there so you don't get pinched. Today's show, got a jam-packed one. I'm going to be solo, so it's going to be me talking to you, but I'm very excited about it. We'll have McKinney's mailbag as I answer some questions that have been posed to me recently on Facebook. Then This Day in Sports History is back. Haven't done one since the final week in January. And then Full Court Press. I'm going to give my thoughts on the recent award that I took home. Honestly, I am the sports editor of the Hickory Daily Record in North Carolina, as I've said before. And we recently won a press award, our sports staff, that I will talk more about later. It's my third, so can't wait to just share a few thoughts on that in Full Court Press. I will end the show. Fearless Forecast is back. The NCAA tournament starts tomorrow. So, excited to go through my bracket with you today and tell you who I have picked as my Final Four and as my eventual national champion. Got a great show ahead for you. Let's get right to it with that McKinney's Mailbag. Okay, so we are off and running with the newest edition of McKinney's Mailbag. A few weeks ago, I asked some friends to pose me some questions on Facebook, and they were kind enough to do so. I got about eight. I'm going to answer the first five today, the rest next week, and any more that may come in in between now and then. I'm going to start out uh, one of my early episodes. I had this guy on, Scott Delafave, and he had two questions for me. Uh, The first one were my thoughts on J.J. Watt in Arizona. If you haven't heard yet, long-time Houston Texans defensive end J.J. Watt signed with the Arizona Cardinals recently. He wanted out of Houston. They let him go, and he ultimately decided to sign with the Arizona Cardinals. So he's jumping from the AFC to the NFC, and it was quite a shock, to be honest. I think a lot of people were shocked that J.J., who has been a very dominant defensive player, especially early on in his career, and has always been pretty solid, has had some injury problems, but still a great player, great man, and 
obviously is on the back side of his career, so his best years behind him in all likelihood. Going to the Arizona Cardinals, who a team that is on the up and up, I believe, finished at 500 last year. I like Kyler Murray. I like some of the pieces they've got. But not a team that is ready-made to win the Super Bowl, and you would think that would be the most important thing for J.J. Watt at this point in his career. You thought maybe he would join his brothers in Pittsburgh. You thought maybe Green Bay was a possibility, going there with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. Always a threat, even though they have won just one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, and it's been several years ago. But a team that is always in the upper echelon of the NFL and, of course, one of the most historic franchises in the NFL. There were some other options you would have thought that would have been better for J.J. if he did want to win a championship. But, hey, maybe he believes this Arizona Cardinals team can get it done within the next couple of years. I don't see that, so we'll see. I would have thought he would have went to somewhere like a Pittsburgh or a Green Bay, as I said, or somewhere else with a strong defense, a Strong team all around, a good quarterback, which Kyler Murray is a good quarterback, don't get me wrong, but still young, still developing, and it's going to be crazy to see how good he does get in the future. But you just would have thought maybe J.J. went somewhere else where they're more ready-made, could win a Super Bowl this season, uh, because I don't think he's got a lot of years left. But, hey, it's his decision. That's where he wants to go. He has his reasons, and, hey, I wish him all success in the world. I hope Arizona has a great year uh, because, you know, I called them out as a team that I thought was going to be dangerous there in the NFC West. They were. That was a tough division this past season in the NFL. Uh, ultimately, they end up at 500 and missed the playoffs, but I think they took a step in the right direction, and we'll see how they end up, playoff team or not, and what impact J.J. has on that defense as well. The other question from Scott is a wrestling question. He asked me, Bobby Lashley as WWE champion, how would you book him? Now, Bobby Lashley, a couple weeks ago, won the WWE championship from The Miz, who had cashed in money in the bank on Drew McIntyre to take it from him after he had already been in an elimination chamber match. And The Miz held the title for a total of eight days. Defended against Bobby Lashley, who defeated him pretty dominantly and retained the title against him in the rematch. Now, it was announced this past Monday on Raw that at WrestleMania, Bobby Lashley will defend his WWE title against Drew McIntyre. At WrestleMania, which you would think Drew probably goes over in that match, wins the title back because they're supposed to have a lot of fans at WrestleMania this year. I think they're shooting for 45000 each night. It's a two-night event again this year, so we'll see what happens with that because Drew obviously won the WWE title last year for the first time in front of no fans at the Performance Center for WrestleMania. It was a great moment still. Then when he won the title again, obviously it was in the Thunderdome with the virtual fans, so actual fans being there in the seats, I could see them wanting to give the title back to Drew. But I tell you, if it's me, I'm booking Bobby Lashley the way they have been as a dominant champion who steamrolls through WrestleMania with the title, holds it for several months. Maybe you give it back to someone like Drew or someone else around SummerSlam. Just give Bobby an extended run. I've always been a fan of his ever since I saw his initial debut in WWE years ago. And he really came into his own over in TNA slash Impact Wrestling kind of around that time when he was with MVP, who, my gosh, the Hurt Business has been great. 
We've had Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin holding the tag team championships there on Raw. Although they did lose those titles this past Monday to the New Day. MVP is the mouthpiece. Has been just great since he came back to WWE. Big fan of his for years. Big fan of everybody in that group. And they're doing great things. But I would continue to book Bobby Lashley as a dominant force at this point. Because I think he's riding so high in this group is riding so high that you got to continue to let them do their thing. So I'm letting Bobby hold the title through WrestleMania. And I love Drew McIntyre. Don't hate the idea of him as champion at all. He's had it for the better part of the last year. And yes, I do think he should be in the main event picture and remain there for probably the rest of his career. He should certainly be in the upper mid card or the main event picture at all times. But Bobby deserves this. He is great in the ring, and with MVP as his mouthpiece, I mean, you don't really need him to talk very much. Just go out there and beat people up and win matches in dominant fashion. So I would continue to book Bobby that way. I want to see Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar with Bobby going over. There has been rumors of maybe a triple threat with Drew. Maybe that's the way you do it. Maybe you do a triple threat with these three hosses, a hard-hitting physical match. And you have Bobby pin Brock. That way Drew doesn't have to take the pin. Drew can continue to feud with Bobby maybe even for several months on and off. And like I said, take the title at SummerSlam. But I would give Bobby Lashley a nice extended run with the WWE Championship because I think he deserves it. Next up, we've got three questions from Austin Bailey. His first one, which Sylvester Stallone movie series do you like the best and why? He pointed out Rocky, Rambo, The Expendables, and for me, I'm going to go Rocky. Now, why? I haven't seen the others, <laughs> honestly. I think I have seen maybe the f original Rambo movie, but the only one that I've really seen altogether, and I haven't seen either of the Creed movies either. Really looking forward to seeing those, but I've seen all the Rockies, including Rocky Balboa. Love the series, especially some of the earlier movies in the series. And it's just a great story of perseverance, of getting back up again when things don't go your way, of just kind of an underdog story, obviously, with Rocky. Some great moments in those movies and just iconic, you know, running up the steps, celebrating, just everything. I mean, calling out Adrian after winning. I mean, Rocky, such a rewatchable series, and I'm a sports guy. Boxing is not my favorite sport, but I do enjoy a good boxing movie, and there have been several, but Rocky, it is at the top of the heap in terms of boxing films, for sure. But yeah, the why is just basically, that's the only one I've seen altogether, but I can't see myself liking out of the others better anyway. The Expendables, I think, is probably some good action. A lot of other people in it besides Sylvester Stallone, who are big names in action. So I'm sure there are some entertaining moments in those as well. Uh, but I got to go Rocky. I really do. Second question from Austin Bailey. What ECW wrestler would you have most liked to see have a successful career in the WWE? Well, when you think about ECW, who is the most successful former ECW wrestler in the WWE? I think it's obviously Rob Van Dam, who won the heavyweight title, was on top at times, kind of made some mistakes in his personal life to his own detriment. Uh, Tommy Dreamer had a decent career in WWE, was never the guy, but had a pretty solid career. 
Taz came in like a buzzsaw, was the first person to beat Kurt Angle, was dominant, but ended up having to retire and become a commentator, which I think he does a great job at. He's doing a solid job as a manager and commentator as well. They're in AEW now. Others came in, Rhino, The Sandman, Lance Storm, Spike Dudley. I mean, the list goes on and on. Tajiri, all these guys with ECW roots. But for me, my answer, if I'm not going Taz because of his career being shortened, I really like what he could do in the ring and a pretty solid talker as well. But if I'm not going with him, I think the answer has got to be Raven. A guy I haven't mentioned, but he was more known for wrestling in hardcore matches, which, gosh, I miss the hardcore title, the 24-7 rule. The 24-7 title of today is a joke compared to what the hardcore championship was. I mean, Bad Bunny's got it right now. But it's a joke compared to what the hardcore title was back years ago, the 24-7 rules they had with that. And Raven was a big part of that, really, in WWE. But his skill set, he was a solid in-ring worker, but great on the mic, great wrestling mind. He was, you know, a world champion in TNA slash Impact. He was in WCW for a while with the flock and some great moments there. But, yeah, never really got to that upper echelon of the WWE when I think he's deserving. He certainly has all the tools to be there. And so I think that's what it takes in WWE is to be a good talker and a solid in-ring worker. And so I think he had what it took to be up there in the upper mid-card or in the main event picture, was never really given the ball to roll, so I think I'm going to go with Raven. And then that brings us to the final question, the third question from Austin Bailey. What celebrity or famous person, past or present, would you most like to have lunch with and why? This is not an easy question to answer. There are a lot of guys I would love to sit down and talk with over lunch. I've talked about some of my favorite athletes being like Chipper Jones, J.J. Reddick, Cam Newton, Tim Tebow. Uh, the list goes on and on, really. But I think if I could pick anybody, oh, man, person I just keep coming back to is The Rock. Dwayne Johnson, the guy just seems like such a down-to-earth individual, and he has every reason not to be. I mean, I'm glad he is who he is, for sure. He came from pretty much nothing and has become the biggest box office attraction, at least in terms of men in the world. A solid actor, but more importantly, a solid human being. He's my favorite professional wrestler of all time. I know he'd have some great stories about that. I know he is just such a great guy with a kind heart. And if you haven't watched Young Rock, the show on NBC, I've watched the first three episodes I got caught up on recently and really have enjoyed it. I don't know if some of the things are exactly completely true. Obviously, some of it is uh, with him running for president and things. It, that's a little bit out there. But who knows? Maybe one day. But I love The Rock and the things he stands for. That's just being a nice, kind, genuine human being and helping others. Uh, he's a perfect example of someone who has a lot but gives a lot. And that's what it's all about, really, to me. Would love to meet The Rock. I mean, I would love to meet a lot of different people. But I think he's up there at the top of the list, for sure. There are some other actors and, and people like that who are very down to earth as well. I think John Krasinski is that way. I think Chris Pratt's a guy I love, who seems like he would be fun to sit down with. 
But I've got to go with The Rock. Dwayne Johnson, whatever you want to call him, he's The Rock to me and to any professional wrestling fan who has been watching for a long time, he's The Rock. And I miss him in wrestling, but my gosh, he's become a worldwide sensation. And it's crazy to watch it continue to grow. Just happy for his success. I know he's trying to get the XFL going again and has purchased it and wish him luck with that. He's just got his hands in a lot of different things and his grind is unbelievable. He's obviously in great physical shape. I would not want to work out with him, (laughs) but I'm sure he would certainly be very inspirational though, but very uh, frightening as well. (laughs) <laughs> to me, to somebody like me. But uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh, for that. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Austin, for your questions. I've got, like I said, three so far for next week that I'm going to answer. And can't wait for that. This has been McKinney's Mailbag, which is always a fun segment. Now it's time for a history lesson. Haven't given you one in a while. This day in sports history, right now on Four Quarters with Josh McKinney. We begin this week's installment of This Day in Sports History all the way back on March 17, 1902, when one of the most successful golfers of all time, Bobby Jones Jr., was born in Atlanta, Georgia. A 13-time major champion, because at the time, amateur majors were also considered majors, even though by today's standards he has seven, Bobby Jones Jr. won five U.S. Amateurs, four U.S. Opens, three British Opens, and one British Amateur during his career. Now, the crazy thing is Bobby Jones Jr. never actually turned pro, even though he's one of the most successful golfers of all time, as I said. He remained an amateur because he was a practicing lawyer, so he only actively competed in PGA Tour events really from 1923 to 1930. And despite that, he's been ranked by multiple publications as one of the top five golfers to ever play. And his four U.S. Open titles remain tied for the most all-time, along with Willie Anderson, Ben Hogan, and Jack Nicklaus. Eventually, Bobby would also become a well-known course designer, most notably as the co-designer of Augusta National there in Georgia, and was the founder of the Masters Tournament, which was first played at Augusta National in March 1934, and has since become golf's most prestigious tournament. A member of the World Golf Hall of Fame, Jones died at age 69 in December of 1971, but his legacy will live on forever, both on and off the golf course, as in addition to all the other things he had his hand in, he also served in the U.S. Army during World War II. Next up, we've got another notable birth. This came 12 years later, March 17, 1914. Sammy Baugh was born in Temple, Texas. Most notably a quarterback, Baugh also played defensive back and punter during his 16-year NFL career as a member of the then Washington Redskins winning NFL championships in 1937 and 1942 while earning one Pro Bowl appearance and being named a seven-time first-team All-Pro, a two-time second-team All-Pro, and a two-time NFL Player of the Year, doing that in back-to-back years, 1947 and 48. Even though Baugh's completion percentage for his career was only 56.5, which is low by today's standards, he led the league in completion percentage eight times and had 187 passing touchdowns, 21,886 passing yards, 
to go with a 45.1-yard punting average and 31 interceptions on defense. As far as his punting prowess, his 51.4 yards per punt in 1940 remains the record to this day for a single season. In 1963, Ball was a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame's 17-member charter class. Others inducted that year included Jim Thorpe, Red Grange, Ernie Nevers, and Bronco Nagurski. Ball passed away at age 94 in 2008. We move ahead to March 17, 1963 now when Bob Cousy played in his final NBA regular season game as a Boston Celtic in the Celtics' 125-116 win over the Syracuse Nationals at the Boston Garden. Boston would go on to win that year's NBA title, its fifth straight during a run of eight consecutive world titles. Boston has won 17 NBA championships overall, which is tied with the Los Angeles Lakers for the most of all time, and has had a record 10 MVPs in its franchise history, including Cousy in 1957, five-time MVP Bill Russell, three-time MVP Larry Bird, and one-time MVP Dave Callens. A six-time NBA champion, Cousy was also a 13-time All-Star, a 10-time All-NBA first-teamer, a two-time All-NBA second-teamer, and an eight-time NBA assist leader doing the latter every year from 1953 through 1960. During an NBA career that spanned 13 years with Boston before returning for a brief stint with the Cincinnati Royals in 1970, Cousy averaged 18.4 points per game, 7.5 assists per game, and 5.2 rebounds per game. And the now 92-year-old was inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame in 1971 after establishing himself as one of the greatest point guards ever for one of the most historic franchises in sports history. For our final little tidbit this week, we go to March 17, 1988, when what was then the highest-scoring NCAA men's basketball game in history was played as Loyola Marymount defeated Wyoming 119-115. That record has been broken at least once since, with a new record being set on January 12, 1992, when Troy State beat visiting DeVry 258-141 at Sartain Hall in Troy, Alabama. Among other records set that game that still stand to this day, besides the combined points of 399, were the most points in one half by one team, 135 by Troy State, and the most three-pointers made and attempted by one team. Troy State made 51 three-pointers and attempted an astonishing 109 threes. As for the aforementioned game that took place on March 17, 1988, between Loyola Marymount and Wyoming, it was held at the John M. Huntsman Center in Salt Lake City, Utah, and was a first-round game in the NCAA tournament. Loyola Marymount had five players reach double figures in the contest, including future NBA players Bo Kimball and Corey Gaines. All right, that's going to wrap up this day in sports history for this week. Now it's time for the next segment, Full Court Press. 
Okay, so for today's full court press, it's a little more personal, and I don't want to take too much time. I just want to quickly talk about the recent press award that the sports staff I am a part of. I am blessed enough to be the sports editor of the Hickory Daily Record in North Carolina. Have been there since July of 2019. Have been writing about sports since May of 2009 when I started as a freelancer at the Morganton News Herald. Did that for about four years or so. Moved on, got my first full-time position. I was the assistant sports editor at the Wilkes Journal Patriot alongside Zach Colburn, who was a sports editor for many years there and really enjoyed learning and getting to know Zach during the 16 months or so that I was in North Wilkesboro. After that, I moved on to the Daily Courier in Forest City. Was there for about four and a half years up until July of 2019 uh, when I got the job in Hickory. Came back closer to home and have really enjoyed it. Uh, I've been working from home for the most part except for when covering games and events over the last year. And it's been tough at times for sure for everyone to adjust to the new way of things. But very pleased to announce that we won this North Carolina Press Association Award. We got first place in sports coverage in our division. So based on our circulation and how many people subscribe to our paper, we got first place in our division. Man, this has been an award for sports coverage because it is the totality of your entire sports section. And it's been an award that is the most coveted one for me over the years. I've been lucky enough to win two other press awards. In 2016, I won one for sports photography for a photo that I took of the East Rutherford baseball team uh, during their state championship run that year. The first state championship team I got the honor to cover there for the Daily Career in Forest City. Really enjoyed working with that staff as well. Some great people, reporters and photographers, and the same is held true in Hickory. But then I won another award in 2018 for my sports columns. The one that was most near and dear to me was about my grandfather, my late grandfather, and the impact he had on me and my love of sports. I think that's really the column that won it for me, even though my other two I think were pretty solid as well. So even numbered years have been great for me. Uh, Got top three in both of those categories those years. And then first place this year in sports coverage for our entire sports staff, which everyone that works with us, reporters, photographers, does a great job. And it's not just an award that I get. It's an award that we all share because I couldn't have done it without those guys. And we have some great teams and athletes and coaches and everything. We just, we've got great universities around with Lenore Ryan, with Catawba Valley Community College, with even Caldwell Community College. We put some of their scores in the paper as well. So all the high schools we've got, we've got a lot in Catawba County and Caldwell County and Alexander County and Burke County, all the surrounding areas we do a little bit with. But man, I'm so proud to have won this award. I changed my description for the podcast from a two-time press award winner to a three-time press award winner, if you haven't noticed. It's such such an honor. Uh, Very blessed to have won three awards now, something I only dreamed of at one point. But 2020, number one in sports coverage in our division, Hickory Daily Record. Thanks to everyone who congratulated me on social media. I've noticed that the posts over the years that get the most attention on my Facebook are 
when I win press awards. I have a lot of people come out and congratulate me. I truly appreciate it. It's not an easy job at all, and I don't want to sit here and complain too much, but it can be difficult to balance professional with personal and and to try to spend enough time with your family and my wife, our dog. (laughs) But all those people, you get this award as well. The sacrifices you make with particularly my wife, maybe she doesn't get as much time as she'd like with me at times. Obviously, I've been home more over the past year with the pandemic. But still, I mean, a lot of times I'm working on the computer and not able to do other things around the house or whatever it may be. At times I have to make sacrifices. She has to make sacrifices and it's difficult. So when you can win an award like this, it really means a lot. It makes it almost worth it, you know, beyond the fact that you're getting to tell stories of, like I said, great athletes, teams, coaches, whatever it may be at the high school, college levels, even sometimes the pro levels, because we've got some great professional athletes with Catawba County ties as well. So this award is not just for my sports staff. It's for those in my family who supported me, who have believed in me, uh, the friends and family I've had, the colleagues, the people who have helped me out from other papers and sent me stuff. Like That's what it's all about, I think, is helping each other out. And I do my best to try to help out when I can. And uh, there's a limited staff, but a great staff we have at the Hickory Daily Record. And our whole paper, the news side, won a lot of awards this year. I think we won nine total. So very proud of that as well. We did a great job all together. We've got a lot of great young reporters, and our editor does a great job. Uh, We've got photographer on staff, and everybody just does a supreme job of putting out great content. But I'm definitely proud of my sports staff and what we were able to accomplish with this. So that's Full Court Press. Man, I'm so excited that we won this award and uh, can't wait for it to arrive in the mail so I can see it in person. But man, I'm so blessed and so incredibly proud of what we were able to accomplish. That's going to do it for Full Court Press. Now, I'm going to turn my attention to the NCAA tournament, give you my picks for the entire bracket. Things starting up tomorrow with the first four. Let's head in to Fearless Forecast. All right, so like I said, for Fearless Forecast today, I'm talking about the NCAA tournament. The men's basketball champion will be crowned over the next couple of weeks. The entire tournament will be played in Indianapolis. Due to COVID, they want to kind of create a little bubble there for the teams, 68 teams in all as a part of the tournament. And obviously the first four will kick us off with the eight teams that are trying to play to get in to the opening round. That kicks off tomorrow. First round will actually start on Friday this year. Usually it's Thursday and Friday. This year it's Friday and Saturday with the second round, Sunday and Monday. So that'll change. Everything's going to lead up to that national championship in Indianapolis on April 5th. This year, no Duke, my team, no Kentucky, so two of the Blue Buds still should be very exciting. I think there's the potential for some upsets, but I want to go through my bracket. I filled out two, actually, for a Yahoo group that I joined. 
the Blue Collar Media Group, which I've had Shooter Shoot podcast host Kenneth Cotterell on the show. He was actually on my last show three weeks ago, but uh, he's involved with the Blue Collar Media Group, one of the co-founders of it. But really looking forward to it. Always enjoy putting a bracket together. I always overthink things. I tell myself not to, but I do. I joked on Twitter, maybe I should have just picked which mascot would win in a fight for each game. But anyway, I have two brackets. The first one is the one that I'm going to be going through because it's the one that I put more thought into. The second one I have more upsets in. And I I wanted to have more upsets in this one, and I I would love to see a lot of upsets this year for sure. Always cheering for that unless it's my team. Anyway, we're going to start in the West. The number one overall seed, Gonzaga, undefeated, will be taking on the winner of that Appalachian State. Norfolk State first four game in the 116 matchup. I've got the Zags advancing in this one. And in the 8-9 matchup, we've got Oklahoma as the 8 against Missouri, the 9 seed. I've got the 9 seed moving on Missouri to set up a second round matchup with Gonzaga. Moving right down the line, number 5, Creighton, and number 12, UCSB. Going to go with Creighton, the higher seed in this one. And then also the higher seed, Virginia, number 4. I think we'll defeat the number 13 seed, Ohio. After that, another first four game we've got is a couple of 11 seeds, Wichita State and Drake. Uh, This could be a dangerous matchup for the six seed USC, whoever wins, especially a Wichita State who has some tournament experience in their program for sure. But I did pick USC to move on. Number three, Kansas against number 14, Eastern Washington. Now, Kansas has dealt with some COVID, got some guys out due to that. I think they do get past this first round matchup and move on to the second round. Then we've got number 10, VCU, number seven, Oregon. Another one where, you know, you look at these 10-7 matchups, these 11-6s, even some 12-5s, you're used to seeing at least one or two upsets in one of those games. I don't see it here. I think Oregon moves on and defeats VCU. And then the last first-round matchup in the West bracket, I've got Iowa defeating Grand Canyon, the number two seed moving on over number 15. Going to the East region now, I've got number one Michigan defeating either Mount St. Mary's or Texas Southern, whichever one of those 16 seeds wins that first four. Now, Historically, I believe there's always a first four team that ends up winning once they advance at least one game. So I'm not picking any of that to happen this year, but don't be surprised if it does for sure. Anyway, Michigan wins that one. Number nine, St. Bonaventure against number eight, LSU. The Bonnies would love to see them pull it off, but I've got LSU coming through as the number eight seed. And another one that I waffled on a little bit, number 12, Georgetown against number 5, Colorado. We know the history of Georgetown, coached by Patrick Ewing now. They've been hot late. I think they've won eight of the last 10 games. But I've got Colorado moving on in this bracket. Number 4, Florida State against my alma mater, number 13, UNC Greensboro. Oh my goodness, would love to see the Spartans pull it off. But I think Florida State's just got a little bit too much for them. So I've got number 14 moving on. The final first four game, which is 11 seeds, Michigan State and UCLA. The winner of that will take on number six, BYU. And like I said, that's a dangerous matchup for Brigham Young. But I've got BYU moving on as the number six seed. After that, number three, Texas. And number 14, Abilene Christian. Got Texas. I've got them advancing deep in the bracket. So got them winning this one. And then this one was not easy either. Number 10, Maryland. Number 7, Connecticut. I'm going to go with Connecticut in a close one. I think UConn moves on 
and we'll see how long they can take their run. And then number two, Alabama, and number 15, Iona. Got number two, Alabama. I know they're a sexy pick for a lot of people to advance deep, even to the Final Four, and they're much improved this year, usually a football school, of course. But I've got number two seed, Alabama, moving on. So that's halfway through our first-round matchups. Going over to the South region, I've got the number one seed, Baylor. Only lost one game all year here late in the season. Taking on 16, Hartford. Baylor moves on easily, and they will advance to take on number eight seed North Carolina, who I have defeating number nine seed Wisconsin. That should be a heck of a ball game as well, but got UNC advancing, uh, unfortunately. Hope that's not the case. (laughs) Number 12, Winthrop is a dangerous team, especially against a number five Villanova team that is dealing with some injuries here late in the season and has lost a couple games as of late. But I'm going to have the number five seed Villanova in a tight one. I think Winthrop sticks with them for most of the game, but Villanova just finds a way. Number four, Purdue against number 13, North Texas, going again with the higher seed, number four, Purdue. And in the next matchup, number 11, Utah State against number six, Texas Tech. It's another one where Utah State, you know, that 11-6 matchup could be dangerous, but I got the Aggies advancing to the second round, and they will play the winner of that 14-seed Colgate against three-seed Arkansas game. Got Arkansas moving on, really wanted to go with Colgate. Not just because I use Colgate toothpaste, but they appear to be a very well-rounded team. They protect the ball, and I very much think, you know, my second bracket where I picked a lot of upsets, I've got them moving on, and I'd love to see it. I could see it, but Arkansas is a tough team that I believe I was reading doesn't really have any bad losses this year. So I've got the Razorbacks advancing to take on Texas Tech in the second round. One of the few games where I've got the lower seed winning is number 10, Virginia Tech, over number 7, Florida, which, again, this should be a great ball game. Uh, Va Tech is very well coached. I've seen how dangerous they are being in the ACC with my Blue Devils. I've got Va Tech moving on over the Gators. And then number 2, Ohio State, taking on number 15, Oral Roberts. I've got the Buckeyes in this game as the number 2 seed moving on. Then in the Midwest region, we've got... Number one, Illinois, potentially maybe the most talented team in the entire bracket. Now, we'll see if that bears out to them advancing deep. You're going to see what I think of them in this bracket, but I've got them defeating Drexel in that 116 matchup. And then my second number nine seed that will win is Georgia Tech over Loyola Chicago. I just think Georgia Tech coming off the ACC Tournament Championship, and yes, they played one less game. They didn't have to play Virginia, but still, they beat a tough Florida State team. They've won some big games in the ACC this year. I think they win in, yet again, another close game. Then number 12, Oregon State takes on number 5, Tennessee. I've got the Volunteers moving on in this one, the higher seed once again. Same thing, Oklahoma State, number 4 against 13, Liberty. Liberty is, again, another sexy pick for a lot of people, but I've got Oklahoma State with Cade Cunningham moving on. Then we've got number 6, San Diego State taking on number 11, Syracuse. I'm going with San Diego State, which last year, very highly ranked going to the tournament, didn't get to play. This year, they've got some of those guys back, same head coach. I think San Diego State knocks out Syracuse in the first round. Number three, West Virginia, taking on number 14, Moorhead State. I'm going to go with West Virginia, a dangerous team for sure, and uh, I think the number three seed moves on in this one. 
Number seven, Clemson. Number 10, Rutgers was not an easy one to pick. Uh, a lot of people seem to be picking Rutgers. I'm going to go with the Clemson Tigers in this one. I think they find a way to at least get through the first round here. And then the last first round game there in the Midwest region, the number two seed, Houston, taking on number 15, Cleveland State. I've heard some good things about Cleveland State as a potential Cinderella story, but I think Houston is going to find a way in this one and uh, get through the first round as well to set up a second round matchup with Clemson. Now in that round of 32, let's go through these real quick. I've got Gonzaga, number one over nine seed, Missouri. I've got number four seed Virginia over the number five seed Creighton. I've got number three Kansas over the number six seed USC. And I've got actually number seven Oregon knocking off number two seed Iowa. That's in the West region. Now in the East region, I've got number one Michigan defeating number eight LSU. I've got number four Florida State beating number five Colorado. I've got number three Texas over number six BYU. And then number two, Alabama, knocking off number seven, UConn. But watch out for that UConn team. They can make another run here. Uh, just don't know about their conference. It's obviously not as tough as it used to be. Another second round matchup, number one, Baylor, takes out number eight, North Carolina. Number five, Villanova, I think, finds a way again to advance to the Sweet 16 by defeating number four, Purdue. Number three, Arkansas over number six, Texas Tech in a battle. And then I've actually got, I think, my only double-digit seed that I had winning in the first round in this bracket because I'm trying to win my pool, okay? And uh, for the most part, your Cinderella story is not going to advance too deep, although I'd love to see it, love to be wrong. But number 10, Virginia Tech. I've got defeating that number two Ohio State team. I think they're vulnerable, especially against a team like Virginia Tech with Jalen Cohn and some of the guys they've got on that team. I think Vitek makes it to the Sweet 16. And then finally in the Midwest, uh, our final round of 32 games, number one, Illinois over number nine, Georgia Tech, number four, Oklahoma State over number five, Tennessee in a tough 4-5 matchup that will be close. Number three, West Virginia over number six, San Diego State. And then number two, Houston over number seven, Clemson. That takes us to the Sweet 16. And first of all, in the West region, I've got number one, Gonzaga over number four, Virginia. And again, this was one that I couldn't decide on. Kansas, we don't know their situation. I've got number seven, Oregon. I just, I had to pick a lower seed somewhere in this round. So I picked number seven, Oregon over number three, Kansas. And a lot of people are picking Oregon to go deep. Uh, I'm another one of those people. I think they make it to the Elite Eight and set up a matchup with that top seed, Gonzaga. The other Sweet 16 matchups in the East region, I've got number one, Michigan, defeating number four, Florida State. And then I've got number three, Texas over number two, Alabama. Back up to the South region, I'm going to go with number one, Baylor, ending number five, Villanova's run, and number three, Arkansas, ending number 10, Virginia Tech's run, and uh, those teams advancing to the Elite Eight, along with, from the Midwest region, number one, Illinois, knocks off Cade Cunningham and Oklahoma State, and then number three, West Virginia, finds a way to get past number two, Houston. So, the Elite Eight, I've actually got three one-versus-three matchups, and that one one-versus-seven Oregon, I could have made it all one-versus-three if I picked Kansas, but I just think Oregon's going to find a way somehow to get past the Jayhawks, although that's a game that could really go either way, and on a bracket that could go, who knows. Anyway, in the Elite Eight, I've got number one Gonzaga over number seven Oregon in the West region, and in the uh, East region, I've got number three Texas knocking off the top seed Michigan. 
Number one, Baylor, I have defeating number three, Arkansas, in the South region. And then in the final region, final Elite Eight game, Midwest, number one, Illinois, over number three, West Virginia. So that sets up the final four. On one side of the bracket, I've got number one, Gonzaga, against number three, Texas. I've got the Zags moving on in that one. And then what could be potentially the game of the tournament. Number one seeds, Baylor and Illinois matching up. I've actually got Illinois handing Baylor their second loss and advancing to the championship game to take on the Zags, who were in the championship a few years ago. Lost to UNC. Man, I badly wanted to pick Gonzaga to win this. I went back and forth on this the whole time. I just think the talent for Illinois wins out in the end. And I predicted an 85-82 score Illinois over Gonzaga in that national championship game. I just think they might have a little bit too much firepower for Gonzaga. Now, while the Zags are undefeated, they don't play in the toughest conference. We know that. But I could see it going either way. I could see a, a number of teams winning the tournament, obviously. It's been a crazy year with COVID. We didn't get March Madness last year, so just thankful for getting it here in 2021. But I've got Illinois in this bracket. Now, in my other bracket, I did pick Gonzaga to come out on top. They have won a bunch of games in a row by double digits. And uh, we're going to see. It's going to be a high-scoring game. It's going to be really fun to watch, I think, if it comes down to that. But that is my A number one bracket for this year that I just went through. I will share that with you on social media, of course, folks, because I know I went through them kind of quick. Didn't want to spend too much time diving into every individual matchup. But Final Four, Gonzaga over Texas, Illinois over Baylor, and then Illinois over Gonzaga in the national championship. Let's see how I do here. Uh, fearless forecast, taking a turn, going to the NCAA tournament. It's a lot of fun to fill out a bracket, but it's also pretty freaking difficult to pick those upsets because we're going to see some, and my bracket may well be busted here this weekend. But anyway, that's going to do it for Fearless Forecast. That's going to do it for Four Quarters with Josh McKinney, folks. Thank you so much for joining me today. I've been so delighted to be back with you after three weeks since the last show. Feeling much better. As I said, my wife and I both came down with stomach bugs over the past few weeks. That, coupled with professional and personal busyness, has just caused us to take a little break there. But looking forward to being back with you again next week here as we head toward the latter portion of March already. Daylight saving times has come and gone here in North Carolina, and we've got longer days now, which I enjoy. It's getting warmer as we head into spring. And folks, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at SuperJMac32. You can like Four Quarters with Josh McKinney on Facebook. I really appreciate you being here to listen to me today. Really glad I could bring you another episode. And we'll be back with you in seven days here. This has been episode 39. That means big number 40 coming up next week. We're coming up very soon on a year of Four Quarters with Josh McKinney. So that's going to be fun as well. Talk to you next week on Four Quarters with Josh McKinney.